welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Monday, April the 11th, and wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace, I wish you God's goodness today, I wish you God's life as we enter, my friends, into this holiest of weeks. It began yesterday, of course, with the Feast of uh, Passion Sunday, or what we normally call Palm Sunday. Uh, We heard at the beginning of Mass of the entrance into Jerusalem, and then during the Mass, we we read the Passion according to Luke. And uh, this coming Friday, of course, we'll hear the Passion according to John. So we know the story. We have entered into it. And even though we heard the Passion yesterday, really it was that processional gospel. It was the gospel we heard right at the beginning when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, that action, uh, riding it upon a donkey, that, that humility, uh, as opposed to, on that same day, uh, the entrance of, because of course this was before Passover, and so the official entry of, of Pilate and the Roman legions and, and Herod and all those who would enter upon steeds, that Jesus' was an action of uh, direct contradiction to what was going on there. That was empire over there, and his was one of humility, that if we are going to enter into the, the kingdom of God, we need to be women and men of, of not of, of empire, not of, of force and violence and power, uh, but instead of humility. And, uh, and so we have entered into that, and so what we're going to hear a lot is less the philosopher Jesus that we heard last, last week, but more what leads to the actions that will begin to take place. Um, ultimately, they'll find their fruition Thursday and into Friday, right? And so we're going to hear a lot of the stories behind the story. And we begin that today in John's Gospel. It's John chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. So John 12 1 to 11, I'll be reading out of the New American Translation uh, if you'd like to follow along. So let's break open God's Word, my friends. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. They gave a dinner for him there, and Martha served, while Lazarus was one of those reclining at table with him. Mary took a liter of costly perfumed oil made from genuine aromatic nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and dried them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then Judas the Iscariot, one of his disciples and the one who would betray him, said, Why was this oil not sold for 300 days' wages and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and held the money bag and used to steal the contributions. So Jesus said, Leave her alone. Let her keep this for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The large crowd of the Jews found out that he was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And the chief priests plotted to kill Lazarus too, because many of the Jews were turning away and believing in Jesus because of him. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So let's do a little bit of a background story, okay? Important that we know what's going on. So we are in chapter 12 of John's Gospel, immediately proceeding in chapter 11. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. You know the story. We heard it if you were in one of the churches that are having one of the elect come into the church. You heard it last week uh, on Sunday. Um, Bethany is not far at all from Jerusalem. So the Pharisees are very aware of the presence of Jesus. They are very aware of what happened with Lazarus. So if we were to read all of chapter 11, I won't do that right now, but it's worth reading if you would like to go. If, you, if you've got a little extra time, it's a marvelous story. Not only does Jesus raise Lazarus, but Caiaphas, the high priest at the time, convenes the Sanhedrin. That's the council of the elders, the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. It's the, the leading, ruling men of the temple. And he says, listen, they're all in a tiz. What do we do about this Jesus character? Look what he's doing. Everybody's going to believe in him now, especially because of this Lazarus guy. And Caiaphas says, listen, it's better that one man should die rather than the whole country because he knows the Romans are coming, right? It's going to be the Passover. And on the Passover, it's going to be full not only of pilgrims but of, of the Roman legions there to control them. And if there is a riot because of Jesus, he's saying the Romans will just level Jerusalem. It's better that one person should die than a riot is started. And, uh, and ultimately, all the people are wondering, hey, we're getting to be Passover. Will Jesus come or won't he? That's the gossip. And that's where 11, chapter 11 stops and we get chapter 12. And what do we see? Jesus is on the outskirts of Jerusalem, a suburb, as it were. And what does he do? He has dinner with Lazarus, with Mary and Martha, and this action takes place. Three things I think I'd like us to ponder today, brothers and sisters. I know usually I do two. I think in Holy Week, I'm going to often go to the first reading too, and that's the third that I'll I'll go to today, because those first readings are so good, especially during Holy Week. Two things from the Gospel. The first is this. You know, Martha, again, both Martha and Mary, in their beauty, bless Jesus. Martha in serving. What? Three words, and Martha served. That's what she does. Um, And and this isn't the one where, you know, Martha's concerned about Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is just a simple story that says Martha served, and that's how how she blessed God. And, 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 of course, that is an option for us too, right? Uh, and when we serve with a glad heart, that's, that's a great blessing, not only to our God, but to those to whom we serve. Um, but I want to talk about Martha. I want to talk about Mary. But Mary honors Jesus in an entirely different way. Takes this oil that I'm sure was, was bought. I mean, imagine taking your best bottle of wine, 50 years old. It's vintage. You paid... for that 30 years ago, and you're waiting for the exact right time to break it out and drink it. Essentially, that's what she's doing. She's bringing out that that best bottle of wine, and and instead of opening it and drinking with it and saying, we're going to celebrate, 
you know, and, and Judas would be mad. Why are you why are you opening that bottle of wine and drinking it? We could have sold it for a whole lot more money than we bought it for now and give that money to the poor. She had done that with oil. And so she she anoints the feet of Jesus and dries and, and blesses massages. I mean, ultimately, that's, you know, think of a massaging oil, right? She puts that oil on and I'm sure rubs it into his feet um, and, and massages his feet and his legs and dries them with her hair. What an incredibly intimate moment. And I don't mean intimate in a sexual level, although there probably is some of those overtones there that would have made some people uncomfortable. Not that Mary's coming on to Jesus. That's not my point. But my point is that was so intimate between the two. It was such a loving, beautiful action of service, of love, of honor, of life, of dignity, of respect, of beauty, of loyalty, all those things. But all Judas could see was money that was left on the table. Whether he was going to embezzle from the, the treasury or not, that's actually secondary to, to this whole story. And I think it's important that we know that. That whether Judas was going to embezzle or whether he simply would have given the money to the poor, all he could see in that action was dollar signs that weren't going where he wanted it to go. He could not see the simple beauty of what was happening. Brothers and sisters, are there things in our life, habits in our life, where we see people and we only see them for what utility they could be for me or for a community, rather than see them as who they are? Or do we see situations and, and only see that it didn't happen according to what I wanted, rather than seeing the beauty that is taking place, even though it wasn't what I was hoping for? Do we see God's creation and see it for the beauty that it is rather than the resources that it could provide? Judas couldn't. His eyes could only see dollar signs. Listen, there's nothing wrong with getting 300 silver pieces or whatever that would be. 300 days wages is an awful lot. And giving that to the poor. I hope you and I, in our, on our best days and in, in, in our ministries, honor and serve the poor and make their lives better. I don't think Jesus is saying, don't pay attention to the poor. But my friends, we are also called to see the beauty of the moment for what it is, rather than what I want out of it. That's number one. Number one. Just to see beauty, to see intimacy, to see love and life. And just honor it for what it is not for what it can do for me. Second point is at the end here. Large crowds that followed Jesus uh, found out that he was there in Bethany at the home of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And they came not only because of him, they came to see, hey man, I heard this Lazarus character was, was raised. Now again, remember, they're close to Jerusalem, so large crowds are coming out of Jerusalem. These are all these pilgrims coming down for Passover. So they were coming from all over, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, outside. I mean, this was, a, this was a pilgrimage moment. And everybody had heard about that. So large crowds were coming to Bethany to see this, to see Lazarus, and they were believing in him because of that. 
So what did the Jews, again, this is Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin, the ruling of the temple, what did they see? Did they see, hey, these people are coming to see good things. They're coming to see the miraculous. They're coming to give themselves over to God in a more deep way. Isn't that fantastic? Or do they see a potential problem? Do they see people that are going to, to follow this man whom they don't, uh, I won't even say it, just understand, whom they don't agree with, whom they don't understand his vision of God? Again, doesn't make it wrong just because they don't understand the vision that he's proclaiming. But they're concerned. And so what do they do? Rather than just sit back and say, let's watch it. Let's see what happens. Or, or honor it and say, hey, it may not be my path, but they're, they're taking a path toward God. They want to actively kill it. Not only Jesus. We know that at the end of chapter 11, they're conspiring to kill Jesus. Here, they're conspiring to kill Lazarus. So I guess what I invite us to here is, my friends, are there times we actively undermine other people, other ideas, other things in our life because they don't measure what we believe? And because it's not inviting people to be like I think they should be? Yes, I, and I've mentioned this before. If Caiaphas, I mean, Caiaphas and um, uh, Annas and all the Sanhedrin, they have a choice to make here, to listen to the words of Jesus, to really struggle with them and chew on them and realize he is inviting them to a deeper understanding of the law. And if they come to that understanding and say, yes, this makes perfect sense, they have to change everything about how they act and operate and the whole temple system is gonna be rearranged. I mean, everything's gonna change. Or they could simply get rid of him. Which is easier, brothers and sisters? We know the answer to that. But it's also true with us. Is what we see in other people, their ideas, their hopes, their vision, is it easier for us to, to, to open ourselves to that vision, to understanding them, to loving them, even in their complexity, or, or what they're bringing and even though it's going to change who we are and how we operate and how we live, is it easier for us to do that or is it easier for us to gossip about them and put them down and essentially kill their reputation? We know the answer to that too. And when we choose the latter, we are no different, brothers and sisters, than Caiaphas and Annas and the Sanhedrin. What our God invites us to is the, is the heavy labor, is the large work, of opening ourselves to the truth because that truth sets us free. That truth opens us. And yes, it invites us into someplace new. But that's the work of the gospel today. Last thing I'll do, and I know I only, only got a couple minutes, but I'm going to invite us. Isaiah 42. I'm going to read bits and pieces of it today. And um, so in Isaiah, there's, there's uh, these four hymns H-Y-M-N-S, uh, hymns to the suffering servant. The most famous of those we'll hear on Good Friday. You know, that he was, um, you know, uh, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, uh, and he opened not his mouth, uh, and, and he carried the chastisement of us all. That's one of the suffering servant hymns. 
Well, in chapter 42 here, verses 1 through 7, I'm not going to read them all. This is the first hymn of the suffering servant, where it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one with whom I am pleased, upon whom I have put my spirit. He shall bring forth justice to the nations, not crying out, not shouting, not making his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoldering wick he shall not quench, until he establishes justice on the earth. That's so good, brothers and sisters. It's so good. And we hear that, and we immediately think Jesus, which of course is right. But our Jewish brothers and sisters hear that and don't think Jesus. They think that is that they, the Jewish people, are that suffering servant. And you know what, brothers and sisters? They too are right. And if I were to say we read ourselves into this and we think about ourselves, we too would be right. How can all three be? Because Jesus is the hinge. Remember, this was just, I don't want to say just, this was scripture that was written through Isaiah to the Jewish people, telling them that they are the ones who are called to be that, that suffering servant. And through them, they will bring forth justice to the nations, not shouting, but by their actions, that, that they will establish justice on the earth. God will do it through the Jewish people. And by the way, he does. Because not only are they that purveyor of that to the, to the nations, but specifically in the person of Jesus. And then not only, brothers and sisters, do we look at it and see Jesus, but if we only look at it and see Jesus and say, it was great, that was him, but not us, we stop and cut off the source of life. Because now we must step into that very framework, step into that very mission and role, just like the Jewish people continue to be, and we work alongside them in the mission to bring justice to the world through Jesus Christ now, we would say. That we are grafted onto the vine. I mean, this is amazing stuff. It, it, it's, we are to open, and now this is the last verse of, of Isaiah 42, so this is 7. Uh, 42.7, we are called to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from confinement, from dungeon, those who live in darkness. He formed us, set us as a covenant of the people, a light for the nations. Yes, he did that for the Jewish people to do that, and we praise and thank God for it. But then he specifically did it through the person of Jesus. And because of that, we continue to do that. It is now our role too, and our mission too, right alongside the Jewish people. It's so wonderful. God is so good that we are called, my friends, to be that covenant now through our Savior, through the Jewish people, to bring light and, and uh, freedom to those in prison. I could talk an awful lot more, but I know I've gone on a little bit more or a little bit long. So let's bring all of this, my friends, to prayer. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen the first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, bless you. Welcome to Holy Week. May it be filled with every blessing.